to go to India to see these bulls. Now they're in India, unfortunately. Uh, there's slaughter going on of the bulls. We saw that in Gobernon, people rounding up the young bulls on the street and the oxen and the earth cows were taking them to slaughter. They won't press the big bulls. Yeah, but they got to make it that far. So <laughs> once the bulls have become really big, nobody will mess with them. Seven extremely powerful and vigorous bulls with deadly sharp horns to test the powers of the king who desired my hand in marriage. Although these bulls destroyed the false pride of many heroes, but Krishna subdued them effortlessly. He likes to do that, doesn't he? He likes to do really heavy duty projects like lifting a hill and just go. I'm trying to pick up this bow and nobody can pick up. So 1,500 people had to move it, I think it says in the Bhagavad And he just picked it up with his left hand. Or Krishna could do them effortlessly, tying them up in the same way that children playfully tie up a goat's kids. He does purchase them. You've seen goat's kids, little, little tiny baby goats. It's not very hard to tie them up. Okay? But a big bull. He does purchase me with his valor. Then he took me away with my maid servants and a full army of four divisions, defeating all the kings who opposed him along the road. And I began to the privilege of serving that Lord. Sri Bhagavad said, My dear Draupadi, of his own free will, my father invited his nephew Krishna, to whom I had already dedicated my heart and offered me to him as his bride. My father presented me to the Lord with an Akshamini military guard and a retinue of my female companions. My ultimate protection is this, to always be allowed to touch Lord Krishna's lotus feet as they wander from life to life down by my karma. So I'm going to go over the Sanskrit of the Shamasha. Vishishi Vajravacha, Pitane Motine Yaya, Swayam Ahuvadantavani, Krishna, Krishnaya, Tash Chitam, Akshavinya Sakhi Janai, Akhime Padasam Sparsho, Bhavet Janmani Janmani, Karma Vir Brahmya Anaya, Yena Tash Shreya Atmana. So she said, Krishna, Krishnaya, Tash Chitam, Krishna, Krishnaya, Tash Chitam. So Krishna, Hmm, interesting. When we're talking to Krishna, the vocative and the Sanskrit, those of you who know a little Sanskrit. So, in English, we change the part of speech of a word by where we place it in the sentence. You say, the boy threw the ball, the boy is the subject. If you say, the ball threw the boy, that means the ball is the subject. So, you, change, you don't change the words, ball and boy, but you change the position. In Sanskrit, you can put the word in any order. Which is why people who know Indian languages sometimes say English in strange orders. Mm-hmm. And because in the Sanskrit derived languages, you change the order of speech, whether it's a subject or object or object of a preposition, by the ending. So normally when we're talking to, if we use Krishna as a subject, it would be Krishna. So we're talking to him, we say what? Which you all know this. Krishna. Krishna. Why are you saying Krishna? Because she's not talking to Krishna, she's talking to Krishna. 
talking to Krishna. Who's Krishna? Jogri. So she's saying Krishna, talking to Krishna. She says, Krishna, Krishnaya, Hachchitam. Krishnaya, that means of Krishna. Again, in English, we put of Krishna. And in Sanskrit, you add the preposition, preposition, in English, preposition, becomes postposition. You add it to the end of the word. So it becomes Krishnaya, to Krishna, Tachchitam. What does Chitam mean? Mind, heart, heart. Right? Consciousness. When we say sat chit ananda, chit is consciousness, mind, awareness. Krishnaya tachchitam would mean what? Krishna consciousness. Krishna consciousness. Very nice. Krishnaya means Krishna consciousness. Just see, but you're talking about this consciousness. <laughs> okay. And then she says. Pada comes sparsha. What does pada mean? Feet. Sparsha means touch. So she wants to touch Krishna's feet. Okay, so let's read the translation. And Sri Bhadra said, My dear Jopadi, of his own free will, my father invited his nephew Krishna, which is my Tuleya, to whom I had already dedicated my heart. To whom I had already dedicated my heart. What was the Sanskrit for that? To Krishna, I dedicated my heart. The Sanskrit was? Krishnaya Tachchitam. To whom I had already dedicated my heart and offered me to him as his bride. My father presented me to the Lord with an Akshamini military guard and a retinue of my female companion, Sakhijanaha, my, my prince. My only perfection is this to always be allowed to touch Lord Krishna's lotus feet. How do we say touching Lord Krishna's lotus feet? Word repeated? Kada and touching it? Sparsha. Kada some sparsha. As I wander from life to life, she says, as I wander from life to life down by my karma, she says, Janmani, Janmani. Do we also say this? Right? We say Janmani, Janmani, Prabhupada. Janmani, Janmani, she says. And then she says, Karma here.
The soul's perfection, Shreya Atmanaha, is devotional service to Lord Krishna, both in this world and beyond, in liberation. The Acharya is commenting on this verse, speaking about how this is referring also to the ultimate liberation. Shujiva Goswami comments that although, now he's going to comment on this world, on this word Krishnaya, which means again what? To Krishna. That although civilized society, it is normally considered disrespectful to publicly speak the name of one's guru or husband. So in modern society, of course, people don't even say husband anymore. How they just say? Partner. There's a reason why that terminology has entered our behaviors. Yeah. Uh, because it justifies many other kinds of things besides husband and wife. You know, in the visa form, for New Zealand, it says, are you in a genuine and committed partnership instead of are you in a legal marriage? A genuine and committed partnership. Yes, we're genuinely committed to each other for the next week. So, uh, in modern society, we're going to call them husband, what you speak of name, and people of course are referring to their husband as, oh, here's Sam, you know, hey Sam. And even the children are referring sometimes to their parents like that. You know, here's Sam and Julie, and their parents. So, Jiva Goswami points out in civilized society, why, why, does, why doesn't one speak the name of one's husband or a guru? Why not be considered to be too familiar? Yeah, very familiar. It's explained in the story of Devaluti and Karnamuni that the marital relationship is one naturally great interest. Of course, if you're married, you're intimate by definition, we hope. We hope married people are not uh, strangers to each other. But he said it should be a, a relationship of great respect, not the kind of familiarity that breeds contempt. Okay? So the woman would address her husband how? As one Prabhu, which means master. Her Prabhu says we should see all the entities as our Prabhu, even the little worms. But what do you see of someone who's in that position as your authority? So you call them Prabhu Vyas. They call their husband. They call their husband Mataji. They call their husband mother. Actually, the man calls his wife Mataji is very sinful. Because you don't marry your mother. <laughs> Probably really criticized one man calling his wife Mataji. Also, a little political club, women don't call women Mataji. Maybe in modern days, if women have wives, then they can call them Mataji. Supposed to call other man's wife or someone who's not your wife, mother. So it has to be for people who can have wives. But no, don't call your wife mother. That's very simple. You don't marry your mother, right? So what is the what does the woman call her husband? She call her husband Prabhu or what else? Swami. Swami. What else? What else kind of thing? Pati. Pati. Not. You know what Prabhu says? The man should call his wife. Yeah. That's not the only, obviously it's not the only, you know, some men who call their wives Priya or something like that. Some perfection. And guru, usually the guru is given some title. And usually you call Shula by some title, my guru Maharaj, you call Shula Prabhupada. You know, to say Abhacharan, Abhacharan, you say the, the title. Right. And in school also generally you call the teacher Mrs. Smith or Mr. Smith, you know, just call them Sam. <laughs> and you're These things are degrading now though. They're becoming degraded. 
of people not knowing how to speak to each other respectfully. So, why then is Bhadra, she is Bhadra civilized? Certainly, she's very civilized. So why is she saying Krishnaya? This is the question. Why is she saying Krishnaya? Was this point also brought up to Chaitanya Mahaprabhu? Okay. Why are you saying the name of Krishna? You're Krishna's servant. They call it Ishara Krishna. And everyone else is? Vrindya. Everyone else is a servant. So why are you calling your master by his name? Why are you saying Krishna? So why is Vajra saying Krishna? We're going to get the answer. But Krishna's name is unique. The mere utterance of the name Krishna is commendable as the highest expression of reverence for God. So Jiva Goswami is saying that the word Krishna uh, is already very reverential. Because you might say the other charges, that they also mention, I would usually use some honorific title at least, like Sri Krishna, Mother Krishna, Pajat Krishna. But Jiva Goswami is telling us the name Krishna itself is the highest reverence. And he quotes the Svetisvara Upanishad 4.19 saying, Yasya nama mahad yashaha. Yashaha means? Like Yashoda means? Fame. Fame. The holy name of the Lord is supremely glorious. So you don't have to add any honorific. It's already full of reverence. Already full of reverence. Alright. So, what is saying here? Shreya Anjumanaha. This is the highest success. This is the ultimate success. So, Krishna is so kind. He provided me a really nice example of the misunderstanding of success when I was on the plane coming here. Do you know how a lot of these planes, they have these screens that come down in front of everybody? I, and I, thank God I couldn't hear the sound. But on the screen it says, when you're a teenager, success is sex. When you're in your 20s, success is taking a break from life. When you're in your 30s, success is having a family and a job. When you're in your 40s, success is money. When you're in your 50s, success is more money. I was waiting, you know, when you're in your 50s, like, okay, what's my success? More money. I guess I'm a failure. Okay. In your 60s, it's taking a break, and in your 70s, they said again, it's sex. So this is the material, that's what he said. I don't take any responsibility for that. So that, but this is what the, this is what the materialists are putting forward as success. That's their idea of success. You know, you have a nice job, you have money, you have some romantic relationship, that's success. That's your shreya. Oh, and the person next to me was looking through the airline magazine, and I saw there was this advertisement for this luxury apartment, and it said, yours forever. Right, okay. Forever. So this is what we think of as success. Just um, was it yesterday? Day before yesterday, in prison, 
there were some young students, Indian students, had just come from India, just come from India to Australia to make their way in the world. They come to go to the university and they come, they might not they can touch my feet. And they said, We want your blessings. They said, What do you want? We want success, they said. I said, well, what do you understand is success? I said, well, I want to get the maximum grade in our studies. And we want to make a lot of money. Okay? So this is what people think is a success. If someone asks you, those of you who have uh, children, those of you who have grown children, maybe some of you have some children, and people will say, is your child a success? This is one of the reasons that our parents objected to our joining the Hare Krishna movement. Because what were they going to say to their neighbors? You know, my mother had a really, really hard time with this. That my daughter is selling Hindu books in the subways. And she lives in a closet. You know, really? So what's your daughter doing? You know, she just didn't know what to say. You know, when my mother became capable, when we owned our own house, and my husband had a job for General Motors, and I was running a preschool. <laughs> and she became favorable, and we owned a car. <laughs> and, and all of a sudden, her mood changed, because she could say, my daughter's a success. So what is the success in the world? Does it fully satisfy us? So who here has been fully satisfied for one year? No anxiety, no difficulty, no suffering. No? That's kind of sad, huh? You've been satisfied for one year materially? Yes. Yeah. Have it? No anxiety at all for one more year? Yeah, I was on one of the highest files to get to the Oh, well, that doesn't count. <laughs> <laughs> so you're a group holy. Yes. Yeah. All of decency. I was just hearing class, Robin says that the great souls are taking birth in this movement. So, very nice to have you with us. Thank you for creating this earth planet and Shaitanya Mahaprabhu's movement. Thank you very much. It's true. Don't tell him that. Very righteous person, very, very intelligent. 
and un- unbelievably intelligent, even to her last moment. She had super sharp mind. She had many friends. But what did she have at the end? Where was all of that? It was a little plaque on the wall. Thank you for your donation. You know, she couldn't even turn over in bed. She couldn't even speak. She couldn't even go to the toilet. She couldn't even drink water. But what did she have? It all became like sand running through your fingers. And some people in that home, I would ask them, what did you do in your life? And they'd say, I... What did I do right? I, I don't remember. It's very scary. I asked this one woman, are you married? I, yeah. My husband died. Did you die? <laughs> it, was, it was actually it was heart-wrenching. I said, did you have any children? Yes, I had three, two. I don't remember. I want to speak of our next life, right? Maybe some of us here remember our previous lives, but how many of us even remember? All of our successes. Maybe you were a big scientist. Maybe you were Indra or Chandra, right? Maybe you were. You were also Guru, right? No, there's another one. He's not here. You, there you are. You're hiding. So maybe you were some big yogi. I would not remember. And if someone could tell us, yes, you were a big yogi, yes, you were a Surya Day, we said, well, that's interesting. <laughs> but where is the benefit? So what is the use of this material success? Uh, it's not really satisfying. It doesn't say, Dukali and Mishashatama. It's mixed up with so much misery. So here, Brother is telling us what is the real success. It's giving us two things that are the real success. What are the two things that she gave us? I don't remember. Two things she said. Being Krishna conscious, Krishnaya Tachchitam, and touching Krishna's feet. Hadas Yes. So Krishnaya Tachchitam, always thinking of Krishna. Of course, this is Krishna's instructions. How many times does Krishna say this? In the Bhagavad Gita. All the time, over and over, but at least twice he says, Almana Bhagavad Bhakta, Manmana. You have me in your mind. And over and over again, right, saying? Also in uh, seven one, you put your mind in me. Mama Nusmaram Yujitcha. You think of me while you fight, while you're engaging in your occupation. You always think of me. This is the core, isn't it? This is the essence that Rupa Goswami gives us. Always remember Krishna. Always have Krishna in your mind. This is what our society is for. This is why we're worshiping Shishi, Gornitai, Radhavalava, Radhavalinda, and you're worshiping Krishna in so many manifestations here. You're so fortunate, practically speaking, the entire spiritual world is manifesting here in the Zoom, Kurma, Matya, Hayabriva, the Singhadev, and Jagannath Balaram, Shubhadra, and Srila Prabhupada has actually been in this room, and how fortunate can you be, right? What is the purpose of all this? Prabhupada went through so much trouble. Such a beautiful building, and you're all going through so much trouble. I see the standard here is very, very nice. I think you've kept Prabhupada's standard. It's nice. So difficult to maintain, isn't it? Everybody wants to change things or reduce and maintain. It's very enlightening. But what are you doing this for? Are you all working hard? Everybody's working hard, right? 
Everybody working hard? Everybody here working hard? Everybody here working hard? Why are we working so hard to maintain this place? Krishnaya Kachitam. That's why. Everything is meant to have us focus our mind and our consciousness on Krishna. Probably saying we're seeing the deity. So the deities here manifest in such beauty. You know, the deity manifests beauty according to the mood of the worshiper. You know that, right? So according to how much love the Lord is worshipped, to that degree he's manifesting his argument. You see, right all of here is so striking. How can one not think of them? Because you're seeing the deity, so that should be the impression in your mind. And in this age, Tantalini Manakrishna, Arjuna says, it's very difficult for most of us to enter into a yogic trance and meditate on the Lord in the heart. Maybe 10, 20 people on the planet can do that. The Prophet said, anyone, they may be going to school, they may be cleaning the pots, they may be changing the baby's nappies, they may be at their job, whatever they're doing, they can remember the form of the deity, to have the deity make an impression in your mind, so that throughout the day, you can, within your mind's eye, see the form of the Lord. Yogi Namapisarakisham. This is the top yogi. This is the top yogi who's always meditating on Krishna within their mind. And why is this success? Why is this Shreya Arthamanaha? Well, first of all, it's eternal. Everything you get in this world is temporary. We are eternal, so certainly our source is also eternal, and our relationship with Him is also eternal. Actually, it cannot be broken because by Him, okay, we've turned our face to Krishna, we think it is broken. But it is not broken. So that is something eternal. People want to buy a house in Australia that's theirs forever. This is something that's really forever. This is something that's really forever. And our material success is earned with great pain, isn't it? Great suffering. But Kevavanandakanda, this Krishnaya, that's Chitam, is achieved with just joyfulness. If we're not feeling joyfulness, that means we're committing some aparada. Aparada. Rada is? Rada. Aparada against Rada. So if we're not experiencing Kevavanandakanda, that means that we are doing something that is against Radha. Because she's the Ladini Shakti, she's the source of all this. So this is also the supreme success because it is eternal and because not only is it full of joy, but the process for achieving it is full of joy. Meditating on the deity even as a neophyte is full of joy. And as you were saying, even this life in this world will become full of joy. And just, it is full of awareness. It is full of light. It's not something dead. The success in this world is all dead things. You know, just some bricks, some piece of paper. Even our relationship with other living beings. We're acting on the platform of matter. My body relating to someone else's body. He never touched the soul. There is the real awareness. Prabhupada says, your father has died and you're crying, but you never met your father. You don't even know who he is. You're dealing with other people. It's like we're interacting in some video game. 
but you don't know the real identities of the people. You're, I mean, you're interacting just with your persona, or we're like actors on stage, and all we know is the costume and the character of the other people on the stage. We don't really know the people. And I probably say this in 74. He said, you want to see God, but you can't even see the little piece of God. So now, is this full of success stuff? Krishna, I touched the child. Always being awareness of Krishna, who is eternal, full of happiness, full of awareness of knowledge, of existence. No. That's not the ultimate. Because when Rupa Goswami gives us a definition of bhakti, what does he say? What is the definition of bhakti? Some of you, bhakti, shastri, bhakti, by Baba, folks here. Yes, we said that's the basis of all rules. So, Anukumena means it's favorable to Krishna. This is the Krishna attached to Tam. I'm always favorable to Krishna. This is not Krishna, Krishnaya attached to Tam, like Kamsa was always thinking of Krishna. But he's always thinking of how to kill Krishna. Like the atheistic scientists today, they're always thinking like that too. I was thinking, what was some philosophy that would be God? That's actually how they're meditating. How can we prove that the origin of the universe, as I heard one scientist say, is a cold, impersonal machine? That is their meditation. So we don't want Krishna and such to come like that, like the demons. We want to be always thinking of Krishna favorably. Anukumina. Always be thinking of Krishna favorably. But that's not enough. Krishna anu shivanam. One has to do something. One has to do something. That's why Prabhupada translates bhakti as. How does Prabhupada translate bhakti as? What is that again? After you're sleeping. Can we say it together? One, two, three. Oh, that's right. I'm sorry, I'm a teacher. I have to be able to assess my teaching, you know. So, I'm not sure whether or not I'm actually teaching properly unless I get some response. <laughs> Devotional service. So, so far, brothers talked about the devotion. Krishna is attached to some. He's thinking about Krishna. But if I love somebody, I also do some service. I do something. That is the wife that says, My dear Prabhu Patiswami, that I love you. You are always in my heart. Um, I haven't had anything to eat for three days. But I love you. The house hasn't been clean for a month. But I love you. You know? Our man says, My dear baby, my dear Priya, you are the most beautiful woman on earth. What would I do without you? But dear, you haven't paid utility bills for six months. You don't have any water. But I love you. You know? So this doesn't mean anything. And this is, a, of course, we see this in all the religions of the world. Sometimes we ask people, you know, do you chant? Oh no, I am always chanting in my mind. Why <laughs> well, the Christians are like this. I remember taking a devotee for surgery on a Sunday morning to the hospital. We're waiting in the waiting room. 
and they're showing this television show, and on Sunday morning in America, all the televangelists, do you have televangelists here? Yeah. So they're not limited to America. It's spread all over the Western world. So they're there. One of them was saying, send me five dollars and I'll send you a prayer handkerchief which you put under your pillow and you'll get all of your desires fulfilled. Speaking to a stadium of 50,000 people. Anyway, but these other people, they're standing in a circle and holding hands and women, you know, and they're going, So this kind of thing goes on whether you're a Hindu or a Christian or a Jew or a Muslim. It's not limited to any one religious system. Oh, yes, Krishna, I touched Chitana. I love Krishna. But you do remember, do? I just love him. There was one time this publication where devotees could advertise for a spouse. You know, you post your personal things. You're supposed to say what service you like. And one devotee said, My favorite service is to sleep and dream of Krishna. <laughs> <laughs> We demonstrate our love practically. So she also wants to do something practically. She wants to put a sparsha. She wants to touch Krishna's feet. She wants to exhibit her devotion in some way. We find all these things. They're saying, I'm the maid servant. Krishna's accepting me as his wife. I'm just the maid servant. I'm sweeping the palace. And Krishna kindly calls me his wife. Right? So we want to give Krishna food. Krishna is self-sufficient. He doesn't need anything. But we want to express our love in some way. We want to make garlands for Krishna. We're managing a temple for Krishna. We're cleaning the floor for Krishna. We're managing the accounts for Krishna. We're giving some money to Krishna. We're working on the website for Krishna. We're doing something for Krishna. So both have to be there. If one's only doing something, then as Krishna says in the 12th chapter of Bhagavad Gita, he says, you should just think of me with love. You can't do that to advance yoga, to practice yoga, to develop itcha, to develop a desire. And if you can't even do that, then do some work for me. Do some work for me that's not yet advance yoga. So if all we're doing is Pashasvarsha, if all we're doing is some um, work, that's not yet above advance yoga. That's not yet sadhana bhakti. As a bhakti, you're doing some work and you're Krishna Chia Taj You're doing your work with devotion. You're doing your work thinking of Krishna. You're doing your work meditating on Krishna. With reverence. One should not think again just because we're using the word Krishna that there's no reverence. Now, how do we attain this stage? I think all of us, at least sometimes, maybe some people here are already constantly in this state of Krishna Shitachitam and Padasparsha, where we're always engaged in devotion and service, that not for a moment does Krishna leave our chitta, our consciousness, and not for a moment do we stop sparsha, do we stop touching Krishna's pada. But for those of us who may be in the stage of Anista Bhajana Kriya, who are unsteady, Sometimes Krishna's in our mind, sometimes Krishna's not. Sometimes we're serving Krishna, sometimes we're serving our senses. Like when devotee said to Prabhupada, Prabhupada, sometimes we fall into Maya. Prabhupada said, no, you're always in Maya. Sometimes you fall into Krishna. <laughs> <laughs> so how do we come to this state? We want to come to this state. Do you know what happens if we come to this state? Where we're always 
Krishna touched the tongue, and we were always Padasvarsha every moment without deviation. You know what happens? Krishna comes. That's what he does to these queens, right? He comes. And even if they're surrounded by the dogs, are we surrounded by dogs in Kali Yuga? I think so. Right? All around us. Take intoxication, have a list of death, gamble, eat meat, take money, feed, cut the steps. Everywhere we look, it's like that. Even our families may be pushing us like that. So if we're always, we get this table, we're steadily always thinking of Krishna and steadily touching his lotus feet in service, then Krishna will come like a lion. Right? Like a lion. He will pick us up from inside the dog and put us on his chariot and take us away. Mm-hmm. Well, he'll do this. But we have to come to the point of steadiness. Robert says in several places, when he achieves Krishna's mercy, of course, that all stages is Krishna's mercy. Yes, I understand that. But we really achieve Krishna's mercy when we have full control over our minds and senses. Full control over our minds and senses means always, without deviation. We are only engaging devotional service, which means devotion and service. Devotion and service. Not just the devotion, not just the service. Devotion and service all the time, which is called the Krishna. That we're steady, that the body, mind, and words are steady. We're fixed internally and externally. So, Vajra is giving us, Sri Vajra is giving us some indication. How does one come to this point of fix? Which reminds us of Bhaktivinoda Thakur's Bhajana Rahasya. So those who know the Bhajana Rahasya, Bhaktivinoda Thakur is equating the stages of Bhakti with the... Anybody know? Two things. The different uh, sections of the Hare Krishna Mantra and also with the Shikshastika. So he equates Nishtha with, does anyone guess what verse of the Shikshastika he equates with being fixed? The last one? No, the last one is Prima. The third one, yes. like a tree. Trinadapi, like grass. Where is the indication of that? Is she saying, Karma means by my karma I am wondering, she says. Is she by her wondering by her karma? No. But the charges say that because these are Naralila, these are human-like pastimes, she's expressing her humility like that. Karma Ramyamanaya. Wherever I am wanting to do my karma, and what is she saying? How, how does <coughs> she want to do this? Krishna attached to town and part of the sparsh. When does she want to do this? Anybody remember? Janmani, Janmani. Prophet has a very similar prayer where he says, My Lord, wherever I may take birth due to the fault of my conditioned life, I always want to serve you throughout the course of my birth. Prabhupada Takura, Prabhupada Shrenses, Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. So, there's two aspects here to this humility that Sri Bhagavan has given us. One is, I'm very common. Karma, I'm wandering due to my karma. 
And one genuinely, genuinely, I don't care about my personal benefit even to the point of liberation. I just want to serve. I just want to please you, Krishna. I'm very low and fond, but I want to please you. When we attain this humility, tolerant like a tree, tree has two aspects of humility. If they're suffering, they don't ask anyone for relief. If they're suffering internally, they don't ask anyone for food, for water, for anything. Whatever Krishna supplies, he supplies. And if someone else hurts them, they don't protest. Now there's a need for law and order, obviously. Someone steals something, you report to the police for the benefit of the thief, not for your own benefit. It's a very deep subject which we don't have time to get into now. What is the essence of humility? Well, we could say that as soon as we enter into humility, humility is the threshold between unsteady bhakti and steady bhakti. That is the door. That is the gateway. As Jesus said, the way is narrow, not many go through. So this is the narrow gateway between our suffering in this world, looking for material success, and our really attaining one actually starts bhakti before Vishnu, one is engaged in abhyasya, practice bhakti, which is necessary and essential. But to come to bhakti proper, one has to go through this door of Vishnu. And the door to Vishnu is humility. Only in humility can one control one's mind and senses. Can one always, without deviation, you know how wonderful it is, right? You know those times when you really are absorbed in Krishna and you really are absorbed in service and you're not thinking to yourself, isn't that wonderful? And you're filled with joy and happiness and freedom and enthusiasm and everybody asks the question, how can I keep that? Everybody knows you. How can I keep that bliss? How can I keep that enthusiasm? How can I keep that feeling of freedom and mind and determination? They're asking, how can I come to the stage of mission? One must walk through the door of humility. One must walk through the door of humility. So humility is very scary for conditioned souls. I mean, externally you do humble things. Please accept my humble obeisances. Daiyoji Marshall just says, please accept my obeisances. So I usually follow in his footsteps. I figure, you know, I don't have any humble obeisances to offer and to embarrass to say, please accept my arrogance obeisances. <laughs> You know, so we have some terminology that we use in terms of external social etiquette. Oh, yes, I'm very fallen, and this and that. And that's okay. But that's not real humility, is it? It's just social niceties. So maybe someday, because we're running out of time now, but someday we can talk about what is real humility. But just, let's at least want humility. I think if we want humility, we'll find out what it is. So, suppose that you had five dollars and you bought something that you find out is worth only three dollars. How do you feel? Pretty lousy. You have five dollars and you buy something that's worth five dollars. How do you feel? Suppose you have five dollars and you get something that's worth a hundred dollars. How do you feel? Pretty good. Suppose you get something that's worth a hundred dollars and you get pain. Feel really good. Everybody likes a free gift, don't they? Right? The less you think you deserve something, 
the more joy it brings. If you think you deserve something, why don't we think we're getting less than we deserve? We're angry. We're disappointed. No matter how nice the thing is. Doesn't matter how nice it is. If we think it's less than what we deserve, we don't enjoy it. We can't, we can't even appreciate it. If, it. if we think this is just what I deserve, it doesn't matter how nice it is. It could be a golden crusted palace, but if we think we deserve it, as soon as we think we don't deserve it at all, how much happiness it brings us. So total humility is not depressed self-abnegation. It's not like that. It's the key to joy and to receiving all the gifts of the Lord. So Sri Bhagavad is giving us an indication how we can come to the point where Krishna will take us away. Well, Krishna will come. Are we all waiting for that? When is it going to come? 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 It's like you know that quote she You're not coming. When will that day be mine and you'll come? So, why Krishna should come for us? We're also Krishna something. Not just Sri Bhagavad Gita's wife and we're nothing. We're Krishna something. We're Krishna's cow. We're Krishna's friend. We're Krishna's mother. We're Krishna's mother. We're Krishna's something. And he wants us. He wants us. So she's giving us this clue. And in the mood of humility, I deserve nothing. In the mood of humility, I want nothing for myself. Not even liberation. I want just life after life. I will always, Krishna, get touched to some. I will always keep you, Lord, in my heart and Padasvarsha. I will always render service. So, thank you very much. Questions, comments, additions, subtractions, chastisements? You know, our feet, when, when we're walking around, even if we wear shoes, our feet become hardened on the bottom. There are some people in this world who make their money being foot models. You know, they, people take pictures of their feet for advertisements. And those people have to do as little walking as possible. Okay? And the pictures of their feet always look like, you see a little baby? On the plane, I saw a baby, couldn't have been more than two weeks old. And their feet are just like, so Krishna's feet are much softer even than babies. But that's why the gopis are worried about them. Even though the chintamani dham, so the the ground of Golokamandam and even Bhumyavrindam is very, very soft. But the feet are very soft and they've got beautiful decorations. I mean, Arkham has a few creases in them. But Krishna has all these wonderful decorations like a half moon and they're very, very beautiful. And then they're, they're very pinkish. The color is very nice. This combination of Krishna's sun and his pinkish lotus feet, just like you see a sunrise or a sunset, 
where you see this combination of pinkish and dark blue, how beautiful it is. So that's just a little indication of the beauty of Krishna's feet. And it's described, I'm pretty sure it's by Vishnu Chakravati Thakur, that Krishna's toenails are emitting so much light that if he puts his feet on a jeweled footstool, and just like here in Australia, you have opals. How beautiful opals are, so many different colors, and they look like they're on fire. So that's just material. Just imagine the jewels on Krishna's footstool, all the different colors, and they're alive. They're living jewels, and they're soft, and they're also fragrant. And when Krishna puts his feet on the footstool, his toenails give off such light that you don't see any of the jewels. It just becomes light. And his feet are also very fragrant. Like his imagination is about to come. And that means with Rukmini. Because she's always smelling the fragrance of Krishna's lotus feet. Actually, one place she always wants to taste Krishna's lotus feet. Krishna likes to taste his feet too. You know that. Serving with a baby. Little ordinary baby stuck on their toes too. But Krishna's so Krishna's feet are very, very wonderful. And just by meditating on Krishna's feet. Also, on Gani Yasa Sakalandriya Ritimanti, but Ritimanti Kalayanti Jantinanti, and then Sinmayasa Mikradi Grahasya Govindamari Pusham Kamaram Jantinanti. Nom Purnama La Purnamidam Purna Purnamuda Chitay Purna Sya Purnama Laya Purnama You take away the complete from the complete, still it remains. Complete, and each of Krishna's limbs is his self whole. So, with me, my finger, while it's attached to my body, I can say this is my body. But just my finger is not really my body; it's just my finger. But Krishna, his finger is Krishna. There's no difference. Whole and part is not a distinction like that. Krishna's whole body, heart body. So Krishna's feet are also all Krishna. So Krishna. So also feet particularly because it's a measure of humility and reverence. So say the entrance into pure bhakti is humility. That's the beginning step. As Rupa told me, he said that attainment of prema is two things happening at once. A very, very, very intense desire to attain it and a very, very deep recognition of one's inability to do so, of one's fallen nature. So seeing oneself as totally fallen, which is miserable, right? Is miserable seeing oneself as totally fallen? Oh my God, am I a bad teacher? Yeah. <laughs> if you see yourself as totally fallen, what is that? Oh, it's not miserable! It's like getting a hundred dollar thing when you had no money. Is that miserable? No. I didn't do a very good job of convincing <laughs> The less you think you deserve something, the more what you feel when you get it. Happy, not miserable. You know, he's not miserable. If you think it's miserable, we're not going to walk through the door. And we'll be an unnecessary on the body for lifetimes. It's not miserable. It's joyful. The only way there is any joy. You can't feel any joy in pride. As soon as you're prideful, whatever you get, you're not satisfied with it. Because you think, well, so I deserve it anyway. Or I deserve more than that. And you don't, you not, can't enjoy it. No pleasure in it. So pleasure means total humility, which is total what? Misery or joy? You can you're not quite sure. 
Total humility with total eagerness. So the humility is also shown with this desire for peace. Right? Generally, even people we love, we're not so with such humility. Unless you have some weird thing, something. But most people, you know, they're not, they're not so much with peace. Either. Is that alright? Anything else? Yes. Could you explain something about the chastity of Krishna's The chastity of Krishna's Specifically, in what sense? Okay. You compare Krishna to Krishna. They only think of Krishna. Shall we see? <coughs> completely dedicated to only Krishna. Their consciousness doesn't deviate from a moment from Krishna. Is that right? Anything else? Yes. You know, I, there was a time that I was meditating on that regularly, but I don't remember it all offhand. Uh, there's the, like these pots, there's a half moon, there's barley corn, there's an upward curving line, there's an elephant goat, and I have to go back and look. Lotus chakra. There we go. See, I told you it was a lotus. What else? Oh, yeah. Well, I'm fingers. On one, one hand, it's all concentrated, and one, it's all this. I, I think I have a file somewhere. I could send you. Did you have a question? It's not actually considering ourselves. <laughs> it's not that I'm very great, but I just consider myself. Say the way. How do we draw lines that it doesn't end towards the inferiority complex? Because that is also a type of ego and How does it not become an inferiority complex? It has to be real. So the inferiority complex is another shine pride. The reason a person gets depressed when they think of themselves as low is because they want to think of themselves as great. And it's depressing to see how great they're not because that's their desire to be great. <laughs> so it's, that, that sort of response is very much in the mode of ignorance. So how does one come to real humility? That, we have to discuss that another time. Um, but part of what I gave a little hint of here is gratitude. Seeing that all the gifts of the Lord, Shama Brahma talks about this, and seeing that all the gifts of the Lord are, are, are more than my desire, are greater than what I deserve. So we see ourselves as wonderful. Yo, where's Saul? Where's Saul? We're eternal, or beautiful, or powerful. By the grace of Krishna. By the grace of Krishna. Oh, we're wonderful. So everyone by the story said, 
says, okay, Kenny Mouse says, well, you've delivered the whole world. That's not a big deal, but you delivered me. That's amazing. <laughs> he said, you have turned your crow into Garuda. He's saying, I'm Garuda. Not literally, obviously. <laughs> By your mercy. Far beyond the highest beings in the material world who have all the mystic powers of some of the We're little, little gods. <laughs> Each of us has a great power. Great beauty. They're eternal. We belong to a world where all of our desires can be fulfilled. Even the great Yanis in the universe or Adharama of the Kama wouldn't speak of liberated souls who can fulfill all of their desires of the comments, who can fulfill all of their desires. We're greater than some yogi who has prophecy. This is, this is who we are. We're wonderful beings. By the grace of Krishna. By Krishna. How do we know by Krishna's grace? Because are we exhibiting this now? Are we exhibiting this now? Our nature? Our real nature? No. We can hardly do anything. We get a little brighter because we can't even get out of bed. So on my own, what am I? Nothing. Nothing. Everything is by grace. You're all wonderful. By Christmas. Is that right? Is it, am I, should I stop now on Guru? And what's the? I don't want someone to pull me off with the. Uh, um, I want to know why Krishna makes so many issues forget. Why did he make us forget? Yeah. Because we want to. So he takes away forget from the outside. Mm-hmm. As soon as we want to remember, we'll remember. You can say, I want to remember. Are you willing to walk with this work in the How much do you want to remember? Everything has Christ. But are you saying that parents don't forget their children? Hmm? Are you saying that parents don't forget their children? Our children don't forget us. You were talking about uh, the living attitude forgetting their children, forgetting everything. Like, they want to do that? Um, well, they want to get another body, and therefore forgetfulness is necessary. So just like, did anyone here fulfill all their material desires in the body they now have? Any of us? Do we all have some desire, material desires that this body is incapable of doing? Probably. Probably. Yeah, I mean, hey, you know, I really like this idea with that airplane. <laughs> That would be, I mean, I would. I would have liked to have flown here with that airplane. I would have liked to just, you know, I don't really like going in airplanes, kind of. Going to security and wondering whether I'm going to lose my love. I don't like that. So if I want to be able to fly from Vision to Melbourne, then I have to get a bird body or a demigod body, depending on how much depending on how much money I have in my pocket, how much karma, how many karma coins I have. If I want to fly, I'll get into a bird body or anything. Now, if I get another body, it's about to be forgetfulness. 
if you could remember, you know, all of your previous relationships with people, you couldn't tend to feel a different kind of desire. If you remember, that person was my husband in my last life, and that person was also my husband. How you couldn't function in this life? It's like if you're going to be on a stage, you're going to be in a, in a dramatic performance, you have to really get into that role. I once said that to the husband of a very famous actress. She said, yes, I've been married to thousands of women. Because every time his wife would play a different role, she'd be like a different person. She'd get into that role. I used to play a Sherpanika with a Mahina type casting. You know, you have to try to get into the role. It's never able to get into the role. Welcome among those just to yell at me. Eat more than even. Yes, sir. <laughs> <laughs> I said, but I'm trying it. I wish you would just stop taking it. <laughs> <laughs> I never take part very well. I used to be off stage thinking, I, I'd say all the verses from the 15th chapter, I'd be saying, so much love do I have to do? I would be more according to my scene. I'd be all the, the demon verses. But the point is, you've got to get into the role. So if one time you're playing Sita and one time you're playing Shirpanika, you have to forget. You can't be playing Sita and then remember your lines in Shirpanika. That would really be a problem. So therefore we have to forget. Because we want, we want so many things. Right? And with the things we want are contradictory. So they can't all be accomplished in one, in one type of body. That we want. That's our design. It's not Christmas. Is that okay? Yeah, I just, I, I just struggle with feeling bad like it because it was the end of the past. Christian does not say everything is all bad. Christian does not say it's all bad. What is all bad? Every aspect of anything besides Christian consciousness. Whether you remember, whether you forget, it's all bad. So it's good that we forget our children and remember Krishna. Oh. You're going to forget your children anyway in the next life. Do you remember your children from your past life? What's going to happen anyway? Is it good or bad? Anything that's not consciously sufficient is bad. Whether you remember all your children from your last 100 lives or you don't remember all your children from your last 100 lives. Does it matter? Are you going to attain eternal unlimited happiness? Whether you remember your children from a thousand lifetimes ago or you forget your children from a thousand lifetimes ago? Now, in this life, you have some duty. Those of us who have children, we have some duty to think about our children. That's our duty to Krishna. That's our duty to Krishna. That's a different thing. But materially, without Krishna consciousness, it doesn't matter. Whether you remember them or you don't remember them. Doesn't matter. Suppose we could remember, maybe another life I was your mother or you were my mother. So? So what? Does it help us now? Okay. If it helps us, Krishna will let us know. If it doesn't, he won't let us But you know, even though also in this life we're on stage, we're on stage for Krishna, we're on stage for Rajitanya. And he's given us a role. He said, okay, in this particular act of the drama, you're so-and-so's wife, you're so-and-so's husband, you're so-and-so's mother. You have this and this relationship. We do that for Krishna. We have to play the role of for Krishna. 
Then you got Krishna. Krishna's watching the drama. We want to play our role absolutely. We want to be the perfect wife, the perfect husband, the perfect mother, the perfect child, the perfect friend, the perfect whatever. For Krishna. That is very nice. Does that help? It still doesn't help. Maybe I'm not really sure what your question is. <laughs> my question is... Yeah, my question is, like, what, why does he make us, you know, forget? Like, I could be Christian conscious all my life and then suddenly I just forget everything. I forget my friends, my family. I forget Krishna, you know, my, like, my curiosity. Like, Are you afraid of death with the old Krishna? Maybe it's one of my fears, yeah. How do you always have that fear? Is everybody afraid of that? That's such a pretty heavy thing, Peter. I'm afraid of it. I don't want to be, I don't want to have Alzheimer's disease. That's scary, isn't it? So, what is she about to say? She's saying, whatever condition I'm in, I always want to remember you and show your feet. So, that should be our prayer. That whatever you do, and actually will attain prema when we're saying to Krishna, Krishna, when you can say this sincerely, please don't say this insincerely. Most of us have tried this at one point, on several points. Don't say this insincerely because you'll regret it. But when we can say sincerely, Krishna, I really want to love you and serve you in pure devotion, whatever it costs. Again, please don't say that if you don't mean it, because Krishna will show you that you don't mean it, and the results will not be fun. And as I said, I'm pretty, pretty sure most of us have tried that. <laughs> Probably more than once. But we need to get to the point that we can say that sincerely. So Krishna, I want you. I want to love you in pure devotion. And if being a quadriplegic will accomplish that, that's okay. If getting Alzheimer's will accomplish that, that's okay. If living in the street, eating out of a garbage can will accomplish that, that's okay. If I have Alzheimer's and I'm a quasi-policeman and I'm out in the street eating out of a garbage can, but I'm totally absorbed in love for Krishna, I'm seeing the pastimes of Krishna take place in my heart, and I'm overwhelmed with any ecstasy, would it matter? So when we're convinced of that, then we can bring But before that, it's like, okay, Krishna, yes, I want to love you, but as long as under this condition and this condition, this condition and this condition, I have all these things, all these fears. Gradually, 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 we surrender, we find out that Krishna's probably not. He's not going to put us out in the middle of the street, out of the garbage can, being an Alzheimer's victim, or smart police. He's probably not going to do that for us. That's probably not necessary for us to become pure devotees. And we also see that when horrible things do happen, that if I depend on Krishna, then it's okay. How do you get some faith? How do you see that even when horrible material, horrible material things have happened to me? I'm not going to catch those short hands, but I bet you that horrible material things have happened to a lot of people. We all think it's just me who's suffering. And if you see Krishna in it, just like Mars Bertrand, he saw that Krishna had taken the form of the curse. If you see Krishna in him, then you find some source of ecstasy. So we practice. That's why it's called the Bhagavad of the Asiyah. Practice. We're practicing. And gradually, just Jane Prabhupada saying, in the beginning there's some faith, and that faith deepens, 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 deepens. Prima is sort of faith. So how do we get that faith? 
He drew a little something. We surrender a little bit. He did a little. And you see, it's okay. It's actually okay. It wasn't horrible. Krishna didn't hurt me. Everything Krishna's doing is just out of love for me. And you gain a little faith and you surrender a little more. And you gain a little more faith and you surrender a little more. You get to the point where you're really willing to say, Krishna, I trust you. What are we saying before that? I'm just saying, I trust myself more than you. As if we have the power to do anything he doesn't allow anyway. As if our holding back and our not surrendering and our being afraid is going to protect us anyway. As if we're not going to lose everything in the world anyway. The Bali Maharaj why not give you everything? I'm destined to lose to death. We're going to lose it all anyway. We're going to lose his body. We're going to lose our family connections. We're going to lose our education. So your medical doctor, or PhD, or Nobel Prize winner, next life you're going to be going goo goo gaga. We're going to lose this anyway. We're afraid of losing our memory. We're going to lose it anyway. Why not give it to Krishna? And say, Krishna, whatever you want to do with it, you can do with it. I want to love you. I want to know you. I want to serve you. I want you to be in my heart. You and Radharani and Madhu Soda, Barney Thai, and all the coward boys and the child. I want them all manifested in my heart, Krishna. And I want to be doing some service for you. I want to be making some givers for you or some garlands or making your ankle bells or getting your food, or washing your feet. I want that. And all this other stuff I'm attached to, here, you take it. Whatever you want to do with it, you do with it, that's your business. You want to give me intelligence, fine. You want to give me forgetfulness, fine. You want to give me a healthy body, fine. You want to give me an unhealthy body, fine. You want to give me tons of wife and children, or no children, or good husband, or no husband, or a terrible husband, or lots of money, or no money, or whatever you want to come. That's your business. You take care of that. And I just want you. So when we get to that point, Get to that point, then we really want Krishna. And so we're at that point. So don't imitate that, please. Please, I'm begging you, don't imitate that. That's a very bad idea. But we should have that as the goal. That that is our goal. And gradually become convinced that it's a nice goal. Because if we're not already there, maybe some of you are already there, but if we're not already there, it's because we're not quite convinced that that's okay. It sounds very scary. Don't be afraid. We're afraid. Because we're afraid, therefore it's a very gradual process, and we go step by step, and sometimes it's Bhagavan and Manaman generally it's Bhagavan. Probably for most of us, it's not our position, probably say that. Those who are taking the Krishna consciousness seriously, you can know for certain that it's not their first time. So we've probably been working on overcoming this year before we'll actually surrender. So it's two minutes to nine. Two minutes. Yeah. Um, I discovered that if we do try and surrender quickly and say, Krishna, take everything, and we get messed about, then that's not such a bad thing. If you're convinced of that, make sure you're convinced. Make sure you're convinced. Don't say it unless I'm just begging you, you can do what you want. <laughs> but haven't been there seen that done that.
and known a lot of other people, almost everybody I know has a heart issue with the condition that's done that. So it, it's a hard way to find out about the sincerity. Okay? It's a hard way. And if you're actually at that point, if you can look at all all the possibilities, if you can really look at all the possibilities and, and feel what it would feel like to have all those, you know, the worst case scenario happen, which as I say is actually going to happen anyway. But if you can look at that without fear, you can look at that without fear, but you've got to be honest with yourself. Okay. And there are ways of speeding up the process, maybe we'll talk about that another time, but right now our time is up. We did talk about it a little bit, right? Talk about what your way is. So part of knowing how to speed up the process is being anxious to go through that doorway, being convinced that going through that doorway is fun. Okay? First of all, we've got to be theoretically content that humility is fun. At least theoretically convinced. That's, that's a big step to accelerating our progress. So thank you very much. Uh, please excuse me if I said anything wrong or foolish for disturbing, and if I said anything useful, I hope you can take it on board. Again, thank you for inviting me here. It's so wonderful to see such a well-attended morning program. This is very, very rare. So among the full devotees, past full devotees on a weekday. So thank you very much. I feel very enlightened being here. Hare Krishna. <laughs> No more advice, never.